Welcome to Sports 360 Podcast. Here we talk about issues in the wide world of sports, ranging from local issues from the Nigerian scene to global issues. And uh, we like to make it an all-sports affair. Sports 360, we can go anywhere, any sport. My name is DG Omoto Imbo. And I'm Adeyemi Adesoya. I am Akimbo De Ubuntui. Hello, everybody. It's that time again to bring you Sports 360 podcast. A lot happening around the world of sports, none more so than the Olympics that is gathering momentum. The NBA Finals has ended. And of course, quite a lot of football transfers and all of that going on across the world of football. Um, my guys are here. Yemi Addison is here. Uh, but he will join us uh, in the course of the show, hopefully. And we have a guest on today's show. Our guest is Bambo. Akoni Bambo is the is he chairman or president now? Founder CEO. Founder CEO of Making of Champions. In case you don't know, Making of Champions is uh, an organization that has produced a lot of track and field athletes for Nigeria over the past few years. Quite a number of the athletes have won laurels for Nigeria, and a couple of them, I think one or two of them, are at the Olympics right now. Bambo is an athletics expert, and Bambo is here today to tell us about Nigeria's track and field hopes at the Olympics. Uh, track and field events won't start until Saturday, I think. Um, so, Bambo is here specifically for that. Bambo, so, good to have you here. You and I have been on various, uh, we've met variously, Lagos Business School, the Jitinubu's thing, and uh, of course, NESG with the minister in Abuja a couple of years ago. So, we're familiar friends, not fools. <laughs> All right, Bambo. Um, let me start like this and say, the situation with Athletics Federation of Nigeria and the factionalization and all that has been going on for a while. Has it had or will it have or do you think it has any impact on the athletes going forward to the Olympics? Or has it had any impact, positively or negatively, as the case may be? Well, thanks for having me. Um, It's great to be on the show for the first time. Yeah. Um, I think the the crisis um, in the AFN has obviously had a very negative impact um, okay. for the sport in Nigeria. Um, it's it's actually been debilitating, you know. Mm. Um, when athletes are meant to be supported, meant to have competitions at home, none of that was has really been happening the last couple of years. Obviously exacerbated by the COVID pandemic. Mm. Um, but even without the pandemic, you know, it's... Um, it has been really, a, I think, a terrible time for athletics um, in Nigeria the last couple of years. Okay. Um, athletics has been um, a great hunting ground for Nigeria. I have some stats here. Um, we've won 25 medals at the Olympics, all, all in all. Three gold, 10 silver, 12 bronze. Of that, athletics has two gold, five silver, six bronze medals. Mm. So of the three gold medals we've ever won as a country, two have come from uh, track and field. Yeah. So that's why we also feel that these Olympics is got, it started, of course, in official start for Nigeria and a lot of people have grumbled, but we all knew that for me personally, I'm expecting medals maybe in wrestling, we are not here for that, and mm. track and field. Mm. So is it realistic to hope, uh, Bambo, that there might be one or two medals from track and field at these Olympics? Yes, it's very realistic to hope and expect uh, one or two medals um, from track and field um, okay. from these Olympics. I um, From the start of the season, I was, well, for a couple of years, I've been saying five medals. We can win five medals mm. at these Olympics. And as it has drawn near, a few people <laughs> have uh, come back to ask me, so do you still, you still think, uh, to your you know, prediction? And I've, I've been holding the fort, you know, but um, as, it, as it draws nearer, I'm now saying to myself, okay, We've not won a track and field medal for 13 years. If mm. we win one or two, I'll take that. You'll take that. Okay, yeah. so you are, <laughs> you are lowering your <laughs> expectations. Um, it's interesting you, you, you set five medals, which is more or less typical uh, of our projections. Um, so th- those five medals you stated, were they based on the workings of making of champions or athletics generally. So the five medal prediction was very realistic even at the start of the season a few months ago. Um, it actually depended on the assumption that Nigeria would have 
at least four out of the five relay teams at the Olympics. Okay. Um, obviously, we have only two. Mm-hmm. Uh, the women's 4 by one which was the only team that qualified at Rio 2016. Um, and then for the first time, we have the mixed 4x4, four four, which mm-hmm. qualified at um, our PAGA MOC relays about a month ago. Um, so that was a nice uh, last chance meet to help the relay teams qualified, and they they profited. Uh, and the men's 4x1 just missed out. They were 17th in the world, and they needed to be in the top 16. Um, and they did fantastically well with the home-based athletes. I mean, they ran the second fastest time that Nigeria has run in 14 years. Mm, wow. So um, they're very close and and they did, they did a great job in showing that, well, even without the top um, US-based stars like Divide mm, and, mm, and Raymond, mm. that that team is ready for... Uh, I mean, if we had done our preparation um, the way we should have, going to the World Relays, that team would have easily qualified let um, me hold you for there. the Olympics. We because we had this discussion and I was very, very angry that we didn't go to Poland. Yeah. Did we stand a better chance of qualifying for the uh Olympics with the relays on at Poland if you had gone there? It, it's a no-brainer. You know, Poland, you just needed to qualify for the final in Poland. Mm. So it was almost like a free, you want to qualify for the Olympics, just show wow. up, you know. Come I mean <laughs> Our our team in you know at the Paga MOC relays they ran thirty eight five three. Yeah. In Poland, Denmark qualified with thirty nine point two. Wow. Mm. You know, so we 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 deserve shot ourselves in the foot. Yeah, of course, there. of course. You know, and then obviously the US trip uh, didn't really um pan out. Uh, well, I mean they were there. You know, they were there. <laughs> you know, so um you know it was a it was a big mistake. Mm-hmm. Um, for going Poland to go to the US. Yeah. Um, a yeah. very big one. I, I hate to say it. I'm not enjoying it, but I've been vindicated <laughs> on that because mm-hmm. I was very, very vehement yeah. on that. I felt we needed to have gone to Poland. Yeah. I was going to ask, um, fine, we, we're, we're more or less in a precarious situation. So, we're at the, you know, at the big points now. We'll, because I've heard you several times say Sometimes the exertions on the collegiate scene mm. affects our athletes. Do you think that will be the case again at this Olympics? Uh, well, um, it's always the case in on some level. Um, once the collegiate scene is over, it's left to the collegiate athletes to figure out how to extend their season until the Olympics. Um, that said... You know, um, you have to say that the collegiate athletes in the U.S. are getting it better still than our athletes at home. I mean, if you look at what's happened at home in the last two years, there's been a couple of competitions in 2020. This year, there's been a few more. Um, obviously, we, we had to add a few more to the calendar just to help the relay teams qualify. Um, and, you know, MOC, we, we actually did three competitions in, in 2021. But it's um it's not enough. It's something that needs to change for athletes at home. Um, you know, depending on uh, you know a private organization like ourselves to be able mm, to have mm, opportunities to compete mm. is is not sustainable. You yeah. know, whereas the collegiate athletes in the U.S. they trade they they compete almost every week. Mm. So you know, right now, I don't think they'll be concerned with the fact that they had a you know a glut of opportunities to compete. I think they will just be focused on, um, you know, having a good first Olympics. Okay. Let's zero down on uh, specifics now. Um, Specific athletes. I know you said you scaled down your expectations from five medals, but um, who are the likely hopes to now win a medal? One or two. One or two. Maybe Esther Brume, she still has a, I think, does she have, she still has a leading World jump, jump 7.17 yes. meters this season. Exactly. Uh, that, that's very realistic medal hope. Of course. A very realistic gold medal hope. Gold medal hope. Of course. Mm, if she okay. can replicate that 717, that is likely a gold medal. You know, I remember um, 96, uh, Choma Ajua was on air. Her first jump was the 712. Yeah. And Roti Jimmy, who's an athletics coach, was my guest on the show. And he mm. was like, Digi, that's a gold medal jump. Mm. And that night, nobody made seven. Wow. You know, so... Uh, 7.1, if she can replicate that, you're saying uh, gold medal. But at least, if she doesn't win a medal, that would be a huge disappointment. Likely gold, by the way. Because um, the, the world champion, uh, Mihambo, she 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 jumped 7.30. Wow. 
to wow. win the world championship in 2019. Wow. When Ese won bronze. Okay. Right. Okay. So, um, you know, Mihambo, I don't think is in that kind of form. form right now, but, you know, she's that kind of athlete that can produce one big jump. Okay. I mean, she can produce one 730 and then the rest may not be close <laughs> to that. Who else? Toby? Toby Amazon, obviously. Okay. You know, those are the two who are our greatest medal hopes. Mm. Um, they were third and fourth in their events at the World Championships. Toby was obviously bitterly disappointed finishing fourth in Doha. She was even more bitterly disappointed that her race was not timed at the national trial. <laughs> I remember that. Um, I remember that. Don't very painful. There, <laughs> and she actually just published a story about that. Yeah, um, I, saw, I saw that. Yes. Which... Um, which is incredible. Like it just shows you the drive that has made her world class athlete. Okay. That she's put the disappointment aside and this is even driving her mm. to go further. So I expect her to get the African record at the at Olympics. At the Olympics. She's she she talks so much about wanting to do it at home. Oh, in yeah. front of Gloria yeah. Lose, she, she, pro- met, she probably did. She, she, probably, she probably did, did, but we'll never know. She probably did. We'll and I even know. had a, an athlete from MOC finish second in that race, mm. Miracle Ooh. Thompson. And so and she, I did a personal best. she also missed out on her on personal, personal best. best. Yeah. All right. Um, discuss women, Shoma Oyekwere. Um, hammer throw women, Annette Chuku Woke. Yeah. And then short put men, Chuku Ebuka Enekwechi. Mm. Yes. Are these outside chances? Outside medal hopes, or we should forget about it. I would say at least two out of three of them are good bets to be in the finals. So that's in the top eight. Mm. Um, Now, once you get in the top eight, obviously there's a chance. Um, I would probably peg um, Annette Chukunwoke. She's uh, number five in the world at the moment, and she's been steadily improving. Okay. Um, so, you know, I think um, she she could be a medal hopeful, mm-hmm. you know. Um, Ebuka as well, um, he's consistently been in the top eight in the world for the last couple of years. He was in the final in Doha. Um, outside chance for a medal, he still needs to throw a bit further. He'll, he'll mm-hmm. have to throw probably a huge uh, personal best mm-hmm. uh, to get in amongst the medals. Um, and then you also have uh, Chioma Onyekwere. Um, she qualified via her, her world ranking. Um, she's been very consistent. Um, and I think that, um, you know, a good result for her would be to make the final. The final. And then after that, you know, anything else is a bonus. Blessing Okagbari, the sprints? So, um, Blessing Okagbari, Divine Oduduru, mm. um, you know, he's going for his first um, Olympics, so. We can cut him some slack. Yes, yes, yes. We must temper expectations yeah, whenever definitely. it's the first Olympics. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and we've seen that in other sports. Um, I mean, Elizabeth and, and Yana Cho in the mm. Taekwondo yeah. performed valiantly, but, you know, fell at the first hurdle. And, you know, you've seen a lot of other first-timers falling at the first hurdle. doesn't mean that they don't hold a lot of promise for the future. Um, but, you know, in terms of our sprinters, obviously, blessing this would be her fourth Olympics. It would be divine second. Blessing desperately wants that sprint medal in the 100 or 200 meters. Um, I think her chance is slightly better in the 100. Okay. But, you know, wow, she'll have, to tough rep- field. she'll have to replicate that time she ran in, um, mm. in Lagos mm. to, to be amongst the medals. You know, the three Jamaicans the are strong. Uh, Dean Asher Smith is, is, is strong. The Americans are there. And the field in the 200 is even tougher. Tougher, yeah. Yeah. Tougher, yeah. Where did we miss it along the line when it comes to the relays? We used to have fantastic relay teams between 80, was it Los Angeles in 84? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, Athens in 2004 won quite a lot of relay medals. So, you know, you, 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 you mentioned some of the medal stats earlier. Yeah. So here's some more stats for you. Out of those 25 medals Nigeria's won, 13 mm-hmm. of them have been in track and field. Track and field, and yeah. eight of those have been have in the been relays. In the relays yeah. So almost a third of our Olympic medals in Middle history mm. have been in the relays. So it makes sense that if we're serious about winning Olympic medals, that is where we should be focusing. Competitive advantage. That is where we should be focusing. And I, I you know, I find it um, really tragic that we only have two teams at the Olympics and it's, it's two relay teams. And it's just because of poor planning. It's poor mm. planning and... Um, you know, lack of uh, prioritizing the right events, lack of prioritizing the relays, you know, mm. 
we didn't start struggling to qualify until after the national trials and we're yeah. holding different meets to do it at the last minute. And we could have just been uh, in Poland, qualify and, and start planning yeah. how to how to win the medal. Yeah. That Poland still rankles with me. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you ever want to say something? Um, so, yeah. whether I would like it or not, this Olympics, it's gone. Whatever it is we have to do, it's gone. We can't do anything about where we are at the moment. So looking into Four. 2024, which is just Paris. three years away, by the way, yeah. years, you know, what needs to change? And I know we've probably discussed this over and over. In fact, the drawing board that we always return to has been shattered. Mm. <laughs> what needs to change? Seriously, in athletics particularly, mm. what needs to change? I think our attitude as a nation towards athletics and athletes and preparation. And, and preparation and planning. You know, three years is not a long time at all. And, um, you know, we we fail to plan as a nation even in some sometimes one or two weeks in advance, right? You know, I regularly have conversations with people in the U.S. who are already planning for Los Angeles 2028 Olympics mm-hmm. seven years from now. You know, so that is the level of planning that we need to aspire to. Um, so I'm not even saying seven years. Let's just have a three-year plan, <laughs> first of all. Um, let seven years worry about itself for now. But let's even have a three-year plan. Um, let's have a, you know, one thing that Making of Champions we're trying to do now is um, have an athletics league for, for okay. Africa, in, in a sense, where athletes from Africa can come into Nigeria, go elsewhere, and there's a circuit that everybody can plan towards. Like the Diamond League across Europe. Exactly, like exactly, that. exactly. We're calling us uh, the uh, the Athletics Challenge. And, okay. we're, you know, we have we essentially did three events this year. So we're trying to move to five next year. And we're trying to say, look, okay, already at our events this year, we had Kenyans, Senegalese, Cameroonians, Côte d'Ivoire. They all were at these events. And, you know, they've already, you know, they know that um, making of champions... When we say an event is happening, it's happening. Yeah. And, you know, we've built that reputation. Um, and I th- actually, we're very proud of what we've, we've achieved this year. I mean, qualifying athletes from Nigeria, from Kenya for the Olympics, and then obviously the mixed relay as well. Um, so we hope to see more of that. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, obviously, I believe there's, well, there is a new AFN now. Um, so we're hoping that that's going to help to reset things in Nigeria. Is that not in quote? <laughs> well, you know, we we still await um, official recognition from okay. World World Athletics. Um, I think it's impending. You know, it's 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 almost here. So I mean, it's a bit. Sorry, but I'm going to ask you. Yeah. Now, this current composition of the AFN. Yeah. Uh, on a scale of one to ten, how close is this to being confirmed? How how close is the new AFN yes, president this, and board? Yes, this supposed new AFN. How close is it to being ratified know, ratified by, the by world, world, world athletics? I think it's it's imminent. I think it's imminent. You know, I I, I don't know why. I, I put I place a lot of blame actually on world athletics for mm. what has happened in how Nigeria. The way it yes, the way it has dragged. Mm. Um, they have refused to. They are thirty. Yes, they've re- they've they said okay, Nigeria. You, you know, you sort out your problem yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. But in some cases, um, they were required to really step in to step in. to okay. bring some order. We to... need to, we need to round up now, Bamba. It's not because you're here. It's not because you're in front of me. I've used you various as an example of when people say when these factionalizations, when these people fight. I've always told them you don't have to be on the board of a sport to contribute positively. When you insist, I want to be on the board, it's for something else. You've never been on the AFM board, but I think your name resonates in athletics much more than so many of the people who have been on that board. So final question, what drives you? I've asked you this question before. Um, you are a consummate banker, investment banker, lived abroad, very well educated. But you know, in a, in a situation where Nigerians want to leave and go out there, you opted to come back, mm-hmm. drop a career, and do what you're doing. What drives you? What was the, was is it is it touching lives, bringing these kids up? What's the motivation? Well, thank you for the high praise. I think I'm I'm really humbled to hear you say that, and I think um, 
in terms of what drives me, it's just the passion to see Nigeria to do well and succeed at something that Nigeria can succeed at, mm. you know. I mean, when I started this journey and I traveled to the U.S., traveled to Jamaica, you know, making um, the film that we the made, making of Champions of History, they would keep telling us, wow, Nigeria, if you knew what you had, like mm. Nigeria would be the greatest track and field nation in this world. Yeah. And that still, that still stands today. Yeah. But we still, we, we, there's a lot of work we need to do to to get there we need to want it right now we don't want it right we don't want <laughs> it uh, unfortunately of, so hopefully um with the, the new afn you know hopefully things can change and we can be set on that course for paris 2024 to win 10 medals not even five <laughs> <laughs> okay but now no, as you leave us uh bumble sl brume we should be hopeful yeah. Gold or silver? Hopeful for gold. Toby Amundsen, hopeful for a medal. A medal. Okay. Yeah. Those are the two that you can bank on. That's the rest, you know, at times <laughs> a, fl- a fluke happens, something happens. Those, those, those are the two, two we are praying and fasting on. <laughs> okay. You, 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 we touched on something. Don't let's touch on it. We hope it doesn't happen that some of our athletes have issues with, um, they've not done enough tests, out of competition tests for the Olympics. So hopefully, we hope yeah. that doesn't happen. Actually, I'll, I'll, I'll stick my neck out for a third medal. Women's four by one. Women's four by one. Four, women's four by one. I think they have a, okay. they have a stack squad right now. Okay. They're fast. Hopefully we won't have any DNS due mm. to, um, issues yeah. of missed, uh, tests. We're, we're being told that, the, some of the athletes are completing their out of competition tests right there in Japan before okay. the start of athletics. So let's, fingers crossed, let's hope that goes well. That goes well. All right. On that note, we'd like to thank you, Bamba, for coming. Always good to have you talk about athletics. And we want to thank you for all the good things you are doing for all these kids. Which of your athletes is at the Olympics? Yeah. So we Which have Emmanuel Ogelli, um in the mixed 4x4 at the okay. Olympics. Um, and, you know, we had one or two that just missed out. Um, okay. Jerry Jackpa. He's well, a, Jerry Jackpa, yeah. He's a national he tournament champion. probably go to world athletics next year. Yeah, yeah. He was in the 4x1 team that just missed, out. Just missed and out. And in fact, in the 200, he also just missed out by about I'm five sure points. because of all the exertions. Yeah, you know, to... he, he sacrificed a lot for the yeah, country for the running 4x1s when mm-hmm. he should have been running 200. So next, next year. Okay. Next all year. right. Bambo, thank you so much for joining us on Sports 360 Podcast today. Hopefully... Bamba will be right. We'll be smiling with at least two medals at the Olympics. We don't know the shade, but we hope one will be gold. And if one is gold, the other one, we really don't care. <laughs> Let's <laughs> make it shade? three. Let's make it, it three. Let's make it three. Okay. <laughs> Bamba's printing three medals in athletics. Hopefully, we'll get all of that. All right. But it is there um, across the world from us. And we come into his forte now. And one guy who may... Might as well be representing Nigeria at these Olympics. They called him the Greek freak. freak. We would have liked to call him the Nigerian nightmare if he was representing Nigeria. Um, but I think he has um, enshrined himself into the annals of greatness in the NBA by his performance at the 2021 NBA Finals where it was box in six. Box in six. Of course, we're talking about Giannis Atentokounmpo who, you know, uh, was a two-time regular season MVP. He's added the uh, playoffs MVP to that. And you have to say that it was a great, great effort by himself and his team. Buddy, what a performance by Janis in the NBA Finals, particularly in Game 6, where he posted 50.14 rebounds. And, well, even if he retires today, like somebody said, he is a Hall of Famer. For sure, they, um, no, no matter what Yanis uh, does with himself now, uh, one, thing is, one thing is certain. He will be a Hall of Famer. Uh, the remarkable thing about the career of this young man, I know we've talked about him several times, but at, at every milestone, you need to, you need to reiterate, reiterate yeah. the, things that, the, the things that, yeah, yeah. I mean, just to underline uh, the, the greatness and the hard work that I tried to put in. Remember that when when he was drafted, first off, um, I think it was Milwaukee that first sent the scout to go and see him, and then the first started filtering back to, to the US that oh, there's a certain young man in Greece who plays basketball. But you know the thing is, everybody was thinking 
what will you do with the 17 year old who was playing in the Greek second division mm-hmm. and they didn't take him serious? Then the Rocky drafted him and they said, Look, it's a project, which means it took him several years. Long time, yeah. Macho. And I remember the video, video that has gone viral now. When that video, video first came out, you know, in fact, a lot of people, probably including myself, laughed at him when he says, Oh, I want to play in the NBA. Then he came to the NBA and he said, I want to be the best player in the world. Ah, he just said, Oga, join the queue. <laughs> Everybody, yeah, because everybody, everybody that comes to them, they want to be the the the, the, the best player, uh, the, the, the best man, exactly. And given what you have seen, American kids, especially the way the media, of, because you see them, the, the way they hype those coming out coming out of college, you know, oh, this is the next big thing. You know mm-hmm. that look, this man that is coming from Greece is a long way, especially since he started playing playing basketball five years before they started scouting him. Yeah. Then I, I then apart cross for the first time. In New York in 2015, and that's when I suspected that this boy is going to do exactly what he said he will do. Um, it was the 2015 um, uh, um, uh, All Stars in New York, and the, the reporters put out that the media should come and have fun and play basketball in Camel Anthony's gym. I was curious, and I never I played basketball briefly, not not anything serious, and I said, Look, let me go and see what Camelo's gym looked like, and let me see. What let me is a chance to meet Yanis, and then he put me in his team, and he wanted me to play. And I said, Yanis, I came here to watch. Said, no man, you got to go out there and compete. I was like, Ah, this man doesn't know how old I am. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you know, the way he, the way he spoke was like, You are here, you must play. Hmm. But you know, he went from there to become the most improved player in the league. Yeah, and then he became MVP, and then he did it again. Then he became All Stars MVP. You know, and then you, you just knew that this man put in a, a lot of hard work. That performance that you mentioned, 50 points, nobody saw it coming. Nobody. Yeah. I even thought that the Suns, given uh, their roster and the way they have played the first two games, would steal a win and take it to game seven. Yeah. But, but that day, Yanis showed what a great player. He was. He, is. he not he only is. carried the team, his defensive play that day, he was like, he wanted yeah. it, like yeah. he could taste it. Yeah, and the best part for me was that the young man never lost. He never lost him himself. Because the following morning, he got in his car and was driving to all the chicka field uh, places in, uh, in in Milwaukee. Give me fifty finger chip, uh, uh, finger chicken, fifty exactly. Not one more <laughs> less. Not one more. And then he was inviting people, you know, to touch the trophy. Was taking pictures with them. He was just having fun. Yeah, Milwaukee just Milwaukee fell in love with him all over again. So they, like you said, it is confirmed. Yanis is heading for the Hall of Fame, no matter what happens now. And then he promised Yona, said, we are going to do it again. We are going to do this again. And the man was excited. And then by the way, before I, before I, uh-huh. before I chase me away, uh-huh. I've told you people, uh-huh. you know not walk you know not villa. Uh-huh. We should know that. Uh-huh. <laughs> I know that's where you're going to. <laughs> and also, it started at the start of the season, there are rumors that he would leave. So at the start of this season, there are rumors that your big player will leave. So at the end of this season, what you are telling us next season is that Villa will, will, will win the Champions League. Okay, we wait. For me, if that is if Greenwich doesn't leave, that's what I'm saying. End of, end, end, end of comparison. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, Yemi, what what is special about what Giannis has done is that the fact that. Somewhere along the line, he could have moved. He could have gone to chase a ring. Yeah, he could have moved to Milwaukee. Is a, with all due respect, is a small Comparison, market. Yeah, not a, not LA, it's not LA, New, not York, New York, York, not Boston, not Atlanta, you know, not Miami. Yeah. You know, so he stayed there and he made a promise. I think I retweeted that tweet he made in 2013 that he's going to stay here and win, and he got that contract extension. I hear the contract has not even kicked in the 228 million dollar extension, which. Um, we thought it was going to... So, the rumors might leave at the start of this season. For him to stay where he's been, for him to... Not many players win um, with the team they are drafted with. Not many. And he's won in his eighth year. Even the great LeBron won in his ninth year. You know, so what he's achieved is phenomenal. You know, loyalty in sports is very is rare. a very you know, scarce commodity. Uh, and it's not something you see, you know, um, often. Uh, when he was when he signed that new contract to be the franchise, you know, player mm. for the Milwaukee Bucks, a lot of people were like, "This guy crazy." Why are you, you tying yourself down to this mm. team that 
doesn't look like they are going to win the championship. Then on the flip side, some critics said, why is Milwaukee tying their future to this, this guy? guy? He doesn't seem like he can carry a team. And of course, you're looking at the, the, the NBA domino effect and seeing the way Kawhi moved from San Antonio to Toronto and then mm. to, uh, to the Clippers and way, uh, LeBron too did, you know, that, mm. you know, and all the guys that moved around KD and Lex. And you're like, why are you going to stay in Milwaukee? And the guy says, look, I believe in this franchise. And they believed in me. And they believe in me to be willing to give me such a huge contract. And I feel that if we're able to do, you know, tweak here and the, there. The, the available pieces, put the available pieces together, they can win. And two things are critical. The way they dropped out of the last two uh, playoffs before this win. Knocked out by Miami in the, in the bubble. And everybody felt, this team is not good enough. Yeah. They're not going to win a title. They're not going to win a championship. And when they lost the, the previous year as well, and it was like, and then the talk of, okay, how is this guy the most valuable player in the league if he can't take his team all the way? Yeah. So he's now done that. And I, I was telling you what, what we're having concern of it that when they started making those trades, I was mm. like, are these guys, what are they are doing? Are they not? They got rid of Bogdan, got rid of Eric Bledsoe, and I was like, you're getting rid of these two guys and they're keeping Chris Middleton, mm. who are completely written off. Somehow, they had a very, very good pieces in the likes of Brook Lopez, uh, PJ Tucker, and they looked a different team. And empowering Janice that look, if you can't drive, if you're driving into the lane is not mm. successful, you can kick always out. kick it out. Mm. And I think that's what has worked for this team. But while Janice is a huge piece, mm. there's also a key element in having that team well stacked yeah. and built around them. All right, Yemi, but Yemi has alluded to the question I was going to ask you was about the pieces they put in place. You know, um, Jeru Holiday definitely, uh, he, he, he had some good games, some not so good games in the playoffs. So what did they do right? What were the tweaks that they put around Giannis? Chris Middleton has been his teammate since he started here, out here. So what did they tweak? Did they just add the pieces? Did they tweak their style of play? I know Giannis had trouble from the free throw line, but on the night that it mattered, <laughs> he suddenly became an 80 or 90% free throw shooter. What did they do right as a franchise? It's got to, it's got to be that Drew Holiday, 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 uh, Holiday trade. Okay. I'll tell you why. Remember, I think two, two seasons ago, when um, there was a debate about whether he's actually a forward or a guard. Because <laughs> a lot of times during that season, um, he was the one that usually brings the ball out of defense. He was actually playing, playing as a he played as a point guard a lot of times. Um, that is why any uh, 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 Lakers are talking about finding a guard to com to complement LeBron because they, I mean they they they, they 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 they've tried the rotation. I'm, I'm talking about Lakers now. Uh, they've tried John Rondo. They've tried um, uh, uh, that that boy Gambia from Germany. Uh, they got from from Thunder. Schroeder, Schroeder. Getting a well, yeah, now that you're getting Westbrook, the thing was, it was clear that bringing the ball out of defense limit, limited this game because it, when, when you bring the ball out, out of defense, you either play coast to coast where they'll probably clog the lane or shoot the play the ball to somebody else who won't find you because they, 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 uh, they either take, take a jump shot or they try to pass, play the pass, which, which they, they, they were never able to do. It was actually, it was, it was actually at one point, uh, um, uh, uh, giving so much assist that they are, they are joking in the media that, hey, maybe this is the longest point guard you have ever seen. <laughs> so, what the boss realized that they needed someone to bring the ball out, so, so it, which will give uh, uh, their offense time to run several plays. Yeah. They brought in Drew Holiday. Like you said, Chris Middleton had been a teammate, a teammate for a long time. We knew Chris Middleton could score in bunches, but also knew that he could miss in bunches. Yeah. And they, so they, 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 they brought in P.J. Tucker. Low-key, small money from, his, from, uh, from, from, from Rockets. So, Holiday, Middleton, Tucker as the offensive shooter. So, that means that if you collapse on, on Giannis, there are three options. Yeah. Uh, Holiday could, could knock down the three. Middleton could knock down the three. Tucker could knock down the three. 
So he said that you cover the shooters or you cover the man inside. Mm. You can't do both. You can't do both, yeah. And so the, the, the key thing was bringing in a point guard to free Yanis to roam the paint. The second was find an alternative to make it go out of the So they knew there was no way all three shooters could go cold at the same time. It happened a few times in the playoffs. But as long as Yanis was getting his points inside, the world is going to be free. And you and I know that no matter how cold shooters are, at some point, they will get hot. They will get hot. And when they get hot, you are in trouble. And that's also happened. In the finals, it was, it was, it was Yanis they couldn't manage. But in the key moments in the, in the, in the playoff run, the shooters got hot and they delivered the points that, that mm. the box needed. You made a good point because, you know, twice, three times in these playoffs, um, they went two down. And then they recovered. And I think it was against the Hawks that Janis uh, was injured and they had to win back-to-back games, I think five and six, and Chris Middleton came through. And Jeru came through and they won all of that. Yemi, the numbers are outstanding. Janis, uh, game one, 20 points. He was coming back from injury. 20 points, 17 rebounds. Game two, 42 points, 12 rebounds. They lost both games. Game three, 41 points, 13 rebounds. Game four, 26 points, 14 rebounds. Game five, 32 points, 9 rebounds. And of course, that magnificent game six performance where he had 50 points and 14 rebounds. Joining only Hakim Olajuwon and Michael Jordan as the only three players to have won regular season MVP, playoffs MVP, and defensive player of the year. This is a performance for the ages by Giannis. Oh, definitely. Um, Phoenix couldn't, he just couldn't live with him. Yeah. Especially I, in the paint. I felt sorry for Oh, I felt sorry for him because especially that game six. Every time Giannis went into the, the paint, he was always going to score. And every time the energy came into the, offen- on the offensive, you always seem and to even be when he was fouled, there. we thought he was going to struggle from the free throw line. He wasn't struggling in the final, uh, in the game six. Well, maybe because he didn't have the People entire... counting. <laughs> counting one <laughs> Still to ten. counting down um, for the free throw. But at the same time, good performance from him individually, but at the same, the way he carried the team along. Mm. Playing with the likes of Chris Middleton. Uh, and I think... We don't mention one particular person enough. And I think it's Brook Lopez. Brook Lopez, we don't, yeah. we don't mention Brook Lopez enough. I think he gave them another extra edge in the paint. Covington too with his three-point shooting Covington at critical times. And another person we don't mention who got injured early in the playoffs is uh, Divisenzo. Mm. Another critical player in the in the um, Milwaukee Cog. But still. And Bobby Portis came good in that we game. We have to see as well. how far Milwaukee can take this. Buddy, um... Chris Middleton, Jeru Holiday, Brooks Lopez, PJ Tucker, Covington, Bobby Portis, um, good support cast. Can they do it again? They did have turned the corner. Okay. Um, if, 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 the, if, if the Nets are healthy, it should be interesting to see how they match up. Okay. But what everybody, are, what we all agree on is that the length, the length and the depth of the box and the fact that they're able to hold their own against all odds to win a championship. Look, DG, it takes a lot of mental strength to win a championship. And once you have done it, you have turned the corner. Yeah. You've broken and the so, glass ceiling. Because they are former champions, their swagger, their swagger will, be, will be different. When you, when you come to their home floor, you are coming to the home of the champions, yeah. not just any arena. Mm. And so, if they, if they, if they get some home court advantage, it will be massive. So, it depends on the state of the Nets. Mm. If the Nets are healthy, it will be interesting to see how it turns out. But if the Nets, again, of course, you, you know, they are, you, you know, you know the, uh, the, the core of the, of, the, of the Nets, all of them are prone to injuries. If any yeah. of them is out at any, at any time, the debate the, 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 the is still, still raging. When KD threw, threw down that shot, that his toe touched the line, yeah. and, the two, and the three became two, and, and they lost, the championship was decided on that day. Yeah. Look, to win anything, you need, you need a bit of luck. A bit of luck, yeah. That day, they were lucky. So again, it comes down to that. Yeah. Yes, they can do it again. They have shown they have the team, they have the personality, and they have the man. They just mm. have to be lucky again. They can win it. Definitely, they have the man. The man at the moment is Giannis Antetokounmpo. 50 points in Game 6, led... Um, Milwaukee Bucks their first title in 50 years when they were led by none other than the great Lou Alcindor. Who is that? 
Of course, that is Karim Abdul Jabbar, who was um, very happy to be alive to have witnessed this. All right. So congratulations to Janice and the Milwaukee Bucks. We are alive to witness it. And we have to be glad that we are alive to have witnessed these two guys we are going to talk about shortly. Let's move away from rivalry. Let's talk about football revolution. You know, because for me, personally, I think the whole Messi-Ronaldo rivalry situation is, for use of a better word, immature, childish, <laughs> possibly even stupid. And why do I say that? You know, it's a world of preferences. It's a world of preferences. Let, let me narrow it down to base levels. And uh, Some men like light-skinned women. Some men like dark-skinned women. It doesn't mean one is better than the other. And some like boots. And some, no, no. <laughs> some like all. So the point is that, you know, one thing that I find ridiculous is fans of either Messi or Ronaldo trying to actually play down the achievements of the other. It's ridiculous. For me, we are lucky to be witnessing two greats at the, uh, in their pump and the incredible levels of consistency and fitness they've shown over years, that's what we should be talking about. And also the numbers. So we're couching this, the Messi-Ronaldo revolution. These guys have revolutionized goal scoring, consistency, achievements in football. And I really think there's no point. It's silly for one set of fans to try and downplay the achievements of the other because the achievements are staggering. All-time club and country, Ronaldo has 1,073 goals. Messi has 929. Assist, Ronaldo 225. Messi, 315. Goals. Messi, 748. Ronaldo, 783. If some footballers play 10 lifetimes, <laughs> they will not score 700 goals. All time for Klopp. Um, the goals for Ronaldo, 672. Messi, sorry, Ronaldo, 674. Messi, 672. All time league. Ronaldo, 479. Messi, 474. All time champions, Ronaldo, 135. Messi, 120. All-time international, Ronaldo has record 109, Messi 76. Let me leave that for now. When you look at these stats, is it not ridiculous, Yemi, for <laughs> uh, one set of fans to be able to try and say, we are better. Um, your player is, look at these stats. These are, you know, unbelievable stats. We used to have a situation where if you score a goal every other, if you have 20 goals a season, you're a good striker. If you have 30, you're exceptional. These guys are scoring 40, 50, year in, year out. You know, let, let's, put, let's, put, let's put some context to yeah. it first. I remember very well. It's like, I'm even like watching the game. The first day I saw Cristiano Ronaldo play for Sporting Lisbon against that Manchester United. Against Manchester United, United yeah. And I was like, who is this guy? And then all of a sudden, United signed him. And then he comes on, his first debut, he came as a substitute against Bolton Wanderers. And United won. They were struggling in that game. United had led one near. United ended up winning that game, I think, 4 0 or 4 1. I can't remember the score right now. I was like, who is this boy? But then as that season wore on, of course, we started complaining. Who is this kid? He's wasteful. Is this, is that. He doesn't put in really good crosses. His end result is poor. You know, blah, 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 blah. And it went on like that. We're like, Probably United have wasted money and, you know, this guy is not going to cut it. Of course, United changed things and, I don't know, and, and that was also another thing that Liz Christians is probably Salisford's genius as a manager. Getting rid of certain players who are supposed to be senior players and putting the boy in a position where he became a goal machine. Let's talk about Messi. First time I saw Messi, 2005, FIFA Under-20 mm. World Cup. And this young man part destroyed his age mates. And even those probably older than him <laughs> that were playing at that competition. Point in case in question, Nigeria in the final, yeah. two penalties, two goals. All him. And you say, who is this guy? Where did he get this guy from? And of course, because he's left-footed, it's not tall, Mm. And the comparison came up to Maradona. But then these guys just tore up whatever stat sheets that has guided football from the, from the beginning. 
with the amount of goals they score week in, week out, month in, month out, season in, season out, and then until Messi did 92 goals in one calendar year. Mm. It is unimaginable, and I'm not sure in my lifetime, and I'm not as old as you are, <laughs> I'm not sure in my lifetime. Are you sure? I will see any. <laughs> no, because... Now, are you sure at, you are not as old as no, I am? No, I'm not as old as <laughs> Because I look at what we have today and what's coming. Yes, the people that like stats have started throwing stats up saying when they were that age, mm, these guys really coming is, up yeah, are yeah. scoring. Mm, but mm. I'm not sure those guys have the temperament these guys have. And also, buddy, I'm not sure they will have these incredible levels of consistency. And fitness. And fitness. That's why I'm saying. These guys have been doing this year in, year out for 15, 16 years. Every season, hardly get injured, hardly out for long term. Every season, even when their teams don't win a trophy, their incredible numbers, their incredible statistics. I'm not sure we will ever have a couple of players that will play at these incredible levels for well over a decade that they've done now. And they are still continuing well into their 30s, buddy. Well, um, uh, the, the thing about, about sports is that we never know, I will never agree to it will happen until, until, until it happens, happens. Yeah. Good point. When Pelé, when Pelé was scoring goals, we thought, hey, we never see like again. Then Maradona came along. And like, just like these two, there were insane and ridiculous and silly and stupid comparisons being made by people. Um, but the, the thing is that these were two players from two different eras. For the, the unique thing about Messi and Ronaldo is that they are players from the same era. So, like you said, I'm not sure we'll see two players in the same era playing like this. But that their records will be broken. Records are, we all know that records are meant to be broken. And with the advancement, with the advance, advancement of science and the advent of more games, because you know the more games to play, the, the more the chance that to score goals. The, the, the number of games that uh, that um, Pelé played in his lifetime as plenty, as much as those games were at that time. You can't, you can't compare to the number of games that Messi and Ronaldo are playing at this time because of so many competitions for club and country. And the way uh, uh, the regional bodies and, and FIFA are creating tournaments now, <laughs> and the way even, uh, even you, you, you never know what, what, what you see. And the World Cup, baby, every two years. <laughs> if at that age... <laughs> That's silly, by the way. Scoring... <laughs> If, if, at that, if, if at that age these, these players are, are scoring this, this amount of goals, you know there's a possibility that they break the records. But, like you noted, it comes down to can you, do, do you have the, uh, the temperament to do it year in, year out? Because there has got to be the desire. Yeah. The, the, the amount of work that Ronaldo puts in to stay fit is, look, they, I, I just saw it again and I'm thinking, is this old? Yeah. And he doesn't want to stop. The same with, uh, with, with Messi. The amount of brutal tackles Messi endures, the amount of injuries that mm. is hard to overcome and to keep going. The amount of money he's making and it still keeps going because sometimes you want to do it, but once you're making so much money, the desire goes. You want to face the money. Mm. These guys are making money and they still have the desire. So for whoever, whoever wants to replicate and better what they have done, you, know, you, you not only have to keep fit, you have to keep the passion going. And that is what I think we might find difficult for people to replicate. But look, like you said, um, I think that's the word for it. The comparisons are not only silly, they are borderline, if not outright stupid. Mm. These are two great players that are enjoying. And I think that, look, Deji, in years to come, when we talk about the, great, the great, greatest players in the world, Deji, I can bet you, like, like I've seen some people do, some of them are good friends and my, uh, my colleagues. They are saying that, hey, the, the people that played in the past, they are not as good as these ones. But since you are not there to witness that the, the era, you can't. You, I, I don't think it. I don't even think it's right to make comparison across eras because mm-hmm. the, the, the situations, situations are different. Are different, yeah. But for a fact, Messi and Ronaldo, that's what the greatest will ever see. Yeah, okay, Yemi. Um, you know they've definitely set the bar higher than we've ever seen it in terms of the share statistics. Um, how do you? Uh, what do you react to? Career hat tricks, 54 for Messi, 57 for Ronaldo. You know, for me, you know, instead of you're, you're, you're supporting one or the other, you are missing out because 
people tend to want to downplay the other person. You know, which, like we said, is ridiculous. For me, these are two guys that even after they retire, FIFA should hold them up as pure examples to young footballers of what incredible levels and what incredible levels of discipline you have to attain to be successful. Because like Bode said, even as they get more successful, they tend to, the passion and the hunger and the desire tends to increase, which is very, very rare. Some players, once you, we have players in this era who I feel, well, they feel they've been successful <laughs> up to a point and they're not driving themselves. These guys continue to drive themselves. And for me, it's, um, it's something that should as revolutionize, like we're saying, the world of football in terms of how you perceive players and also what's possible if you keep your mind at it, if you're focused and determined. We spoke about hat tricks. I, I'd say, let me look at um, some strikers that you know we consider as really good strikers. Uh, Sergio Aguero has only 12 hat tricks mm-hmm. in the Premier League. Alan Shearer, all time mm-hmm. goal scorer, top scorer in the Premier League, 11 hat tricks. Mm. <laughs> We're talking about 54, 57. <laughs> honestly, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Totally. Totally ridiculous. The way there's some strikers that we regard as top class strikers who probably never scored hat tricks. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and, and you know that's the irony about let talk about Ronaldo now. I do remember that in his first four years or so at United, mm. he didn't score a hat trick. And another point, these guys, both of them are not out and out strikers. strikers. That's another point. And and that has to do a lot with the evolution of yes, the game of the as game, well. Yeah. At United, I think it was the game against Newcastle at Old Trafford that Ronaldo finally scored his first hat-trick. Mm. After scoring, I think, 11 braces, yeah. he finally scored a hat-trick. So, imagine the number of years in between he's taking him to finally, and now level. he's gone mm. to 57. 57. He's totally ridiculous. Mind-boggling. And Mind-boggling. you then ask yourself, really, let's not only look at the, at the hat-tricks they scored, look at the players they've had to play with. And how that has also evolved. How to evolve over time. Different teams. Different teams, different players, different at some point in eras. Different eras. Because look at uh, Ronaldo in 2004 Euros. Look at the guys that were around him. Mm -hmm. Come 2008 Euros, same thing. And up till now. Now he's more like the leading light for Portugal. Look at Messi as well at Argentina. Look at players that have come, you know, before him. And look at the ones that played with him, those that have even, you know, been dropped and he still continues to be a mainstay, carrying their respective teams on their shoulder. Mm. It just shows you that, look, these guys are superhuman and, like I said, we'll probably not see anything like this again. Going to international football, buddy, um, you look at Portugal, all the great players they've had, Eusebio, Luis Figo, they never won anything. They never won any international trophy. Ronaldo's helped them to win too. Uh, people people tend, want to downplay Copa America. Uh, between 1993 and now, Argentina had never won Copa America. Messi started playing there, I think, 2006 or seven. In that era, we had the Batistutas and a lot of great Argentine strikers and players who never won the Copa America. Joe was held every two, two years, by the way. So they had numerous opportunities. So, you cannot downplay that. But what I like is the fact that these two guys have also done this with their countries as well. You know, Argentina hadn't won anything in 28 years. Is that 1993, 28 years? Uh, Portugal hadn't won anything. So it also just adds to the aura of what you see as um, the the quality of these guys. Did you, I think we, we have talked about how difficult it is, it is to win that Copa America, the quality of, of the players and, yeah. the, and, and the and the um, and the strength of the of the schedule. And like you just said, if great teams with great players couldn't win it, this young man had gone and done it. For Portugal, the goalie the, the goalie gener, generation, as you call them, yeah. came and went without they winning anything. Nothing. Mm. Look. This is take, this is taking nothing from those players because like like I've also noted uh, on, on, on this podcast, when you play championship where all the teams or at least four or five teams can win it, there's so many factors yeah. that can 
that can that can derail or that can aid yeah. your case. So many, so many, some as fine with the margin as fine as 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 as, as human hair. So mm-hmm. let's take note away from this class because hey, some as some people are going to start that argument. Oh, if Ronaldo um, led uh, Portugal to to win a, a, a trophy, it means that the figure is not as good as he is, which is mm-hmm. again banal and silly argument. <laughs> so for me, I think like yes, I agree with you. It also underlines. That for them to not only win everything at the club level, but to now take it to an international level and do it, mm. that is provided. Some people don't, don't now come and tell you that, oh, they, they may have won one, one team trophy on their continent, they didn't win the World Cup. Mm. Because that's, that's what they also to say. <laughs> people forget that the World Cup also, you need a lot of factors to come together for you to win. Yeah. And that's World Cup tournament, four or five teams can win. And any, any one of them. Yeah. And one can, look, it, it doesn't matter where you prepare. What tiny mm. thing can derail you? So I think for these guys who have won everything, both at club and national level, it's kudos to them. Well, um, not putting it down on what we're saying, but just still respecting Messi and Ronaldo for everything they've done. The Saturn Pelé had 92 hat-tricks, by the way. 92. But not in this generation. This generation <laughs> has been very hard to... You know, but I also believe that we can make the argument get back and forth. I also believe that strikers are well-protected in this generation. Oh, yes. The previous generation <laughs> of the Pelés and all that, you could can, can get kicked in the groin. And the referee would look away. Just <laughs> and he wouldn't even give a yellow card. Just go to, I think, uh, was it Brazil's 96 World Cup that they kicked? They kicked him out of the <laughs> tournament. They kicked him out of the competition. You know, Messi has won 34, uh, domestic trophies. Ronaldo has won 28. You know, and it continues. I think, um, they both won cup trophies this season for their team. Yes. Juventus won the yeah, Copa Italia. Copa, Messi won. Yeah. And then Messi the went on to win as well. How long? Do you think these guys can continue for? You hear me? <sighs> How long can we continue to enjoy them before they disappear and then yes. we'll realize what we're missing? We better just enjoy them now. Uh, I think, that, I think, uh, because of the way they've kept themselves, you think we have a few more years left? Yeah, I think we should still be able to give about three years. Mm. Um, Messi, because he's younger, maybe five. Wow. And this is probably asking for <laughs> too much. Um, because, Look at the current contract that uh, Barca have thrown at him. Mm-hmm. Uh, they need him with respect to whatever revolution they need to do at Barcelona. You will probably don't need rather that much respect to whatever thinking they need to do going into the future. So I think Ronaldo maybe three years because Messi's younger, maybe five. Mm. Uh, goals per season for the Golden Shoe, Ronaldo about let me just list four seasons, 31, 40, 31, 48. Messi, 36, 34, 37, 46, 50. One particular. And since between 2008 and 2017, they shared 10 Ballon d'Ors between themselves. Luka Modric stepped in in 2018. Break down. Uh, Messi uh, won that again in 2019. Coronavirus won it in 2020. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course... The chances are... So, these guys have been a joy to the world of football. They've been great for their teams, for their countries, for their clubs. Uh, they've been great for football. So, all we're saying here is that, hey, fans, you can have your preference. You can have the world you prefer, but it is absolute disrespect to try and put down one to the detriment of the other because... And I think they've been good for each other too in terms of the way they've driven each other to oh, yeah. higher levels of oh, success. Yeah. Let's look at one last stat there. Uh, Champions League record. Yeah, Champions League has record. 130. How many goals? 135. Messi has 120. I think they are the only two that have scored more than 100. Remember, mm. when Rahul had that record at okay. 70, we thought, we thought nobody, nobody would beat it. <laughs> They've obliterated that record. Nobody would beat it. All right. So, just enjoy Messi and Ronaldo. They've revisionalized football in terms of goal scoring, in terms of fitness, in terms of consistency, in terms of the way they've kept themselves year in, year out. And, and in their of, mid-30s... In terms of social media. <laughs> in their mid-30s, they still continue to excel. It brings us to the end of Season 1 of Sports 360 Podcast. We've had 20 episodes. We'd like to thank you so much for all of you for joining us from across the world. There was a day we, we popped up in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> that was nice. You know? And uh, this is Sports 360 Pod on IG. You can go there. We're going to take a few weeks break. We're back for season two. 
a lot to look forward to next season. They, all the leagues are raring to go. The Olympics going on right now. Probably do a review of the Olympics when we come back. Hopefully, like Bambo said earlier in this show, Nigeria will nick 